0: Hi friends. If you're listening in real time, we're now in the back half of summer 2023. Many of us are taking one last trip to the beach. We're soaking up the final days of this blazing hot summer. And many of us are starting to get back into that back to school mode. I know that we've already ordered new backpacks and nap mats and the school bell will be ringing in just a few weeks. But regardless of the time of year that you're catching this, we're always being pulled in a lot of different directions. We've got work responsibilities. We've got relationships with family and friends to maintain. We've gotta take care of our homes and find some time to take care of ourselves in between it all. And sometimes it can feel completely impossible to do it all. That's why this week I want to revisit a past episode of It's About Time that dives into work-life balance. Is it real? Is it possible? What does it even mean? So whether you're listening on your way back from the beach or while you're ordering gear for this fall's activities, I hope it inspires you to give this whole work-life balance thing some thought and decide for yourself, work-life balance, is it fact or fiction? To me, work-life balance is having the flexibility to fluctuate between the different aspects of my life based on whatever season I'm in. I think that work-life
1: balance is a little bold. It ebbs and flows with seasons of business.
0: Work-life balance means being present in either place. So if I'm working, I want to be fully there. Work-life balance is about being able to leave all my work at five and not let the daily emails, projects, and due dates command my attention. The big thing that I've learned with work-life balance is that you need to be kind enough to your spouse in order to let your ambition take a back be to reality at times. Our definition of work-life balance is perfect, where everything
1: always goes according to plan and we all feel relaxed and happy. That's
0: not reality. It's not something that you can be perfect at. You can make all the plans, you can have all the goals, but sometimes it's just not gonna get
1: done. I don't believe that work-life balance exists, and I also don't think that it's desirable. Or that it's something to strive for.
0: I think that you can have work life balance. You just have to learn how to separate the two.
1: I don't really believe in work life balance because, for me personally, I think that my family is always going to take precedence over work.
0: I do think that it exists,
1: I just don't think that it's perfect, and I think it looks different for everybody. I don't seek work life balance. I try to seek that work-life integration.
0: So yes, I think you can have work-life balance and it is very important to me. Hey friend, and welcome to episode 91 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire women seeking better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman-Kornick. And there are a lot of thoughts, feelings, and beliefs around the topic of today's episode, work-life balance. Is it even real? Should we be striving for it? What does it even mean? I feel like every time I turn around lately, I'm seeing an article with tips for better work-life balance, or I'm hearing a speaker on stage saying that work-life balance isn't a real thing. Well, which is it? So today, I'm diving into why this is a conversation worth having. I'll go all the way back to the origin of work-life balance. We'll look at how different generations interpret work-life balance. And finally, we'll break it down piece by piece to get to the bottom of this. And because I know you're probably making the most of your time and listening in the car while you're running errands or doing stuff around the house, it might be a little inconvenient for you to stop what you're doing and take notes but don't worry, I've got you covered. You can find all the details from this episode over in the show notes. Today's show notes can be found at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 91. All right, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road.
1: You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman-Kornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman kornick
0: It's early morning, late May, 1953. Two men, Sir Edmund Hillary from New Zealand and Tenzing Norgay, a Sherpa born in India, set out to do what no man had ever done before, and what many men had lost their lives attempting. Hillary and Norgay suited up and made their way to the top of the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. Pushing their way through the icy, uncharted terrain, They arrived at the top of Everest's 29,035 foot summit at 11.30 a.m. on May 29th, and they made history. At that point, many climbers before them had tried to reach the mountaintop, the first attempt being 32 years earlier in 1921. And as you can imagine, a lot changed in those 32 years. Most notably, technology. Hillary and Norgay's 11-man climbing team was outfitted with insulated boots and clothing, radio equipment, and oxygen systems that made navigating the high altitudes and rocky terrain just a little more possible than in the past. But despite the advances in technology, Hillary and Norgay had to forge a new passage. They had to take steps that no one had ever taken, and traverse a path that no one else had ever cleared in order to make it to the top. Since that historic day, May 29th, which by the way is my birthday, more than 4,000 climbers have reached the top of Mount Everest. So what does this have to do with work-life balance and whether work-life balance is a thing? Trust me, it does, but we're going to come back to that in a bit. I think we can all agree that the quest for work-life balance can feel like climbing a mountain sometimes. It's rocky. Sometimes it's hard to breathe. It's a lot of work. And it feels like we have to carry a ton of baggage with us along the way. And if we make a wrong move, the slightest misstep? Everything could come crashing down. But this episode isn't meant to debate whether or not work-life balance is hard. It's to tackle the existence of work-life balance itself. Is it real? Is it something we should strive for? Is it a fool's errand? Is it a concept sold to us by self-help gurus so we'll buy their latest book, take their course, drink their fitness tea, buy tickets to their retreat, or invest in whatever it is they're selling us? And then lately, it feels like I can't open a magazine or listen to a motivational speaker without reading or hearing, work-life balance, it's not real. Well, is it real or is it not? Fact or fiction, work-life balance, why does this matter and why is it worth talking about? From my perspective as a time management coach and someone who is constantly digging into the topics of productivity, self-care, personal development, and career success, this is why. Our beliefs about work-life balance shape our attitudes and our efforts toward how we manage our time and what we believe is possible. I'm going to say that one more time. Our beliefs about work-life balance shape our attitudes and our efforts toward how we manage our time and what we believe is possible. So if we believe it's real, that affects how we show up. If we believe it's not real, that also affects how we show up. But first, we kicked off this episode at the top of Mount Everest in the 1950s. Let's fast forward just a bit to the United Kingdom in the 1980s, to the moment in history where the concept of work-life balance was born. I believe that in order to understand, well, anything, it's important to understand the origin story. Where did it all begin and why? The term work-life balance first appeared in the UK as an issue in the women's liberation movement. In a nutshell, this movement advocated a flexible working schedule and maternity leave for women. At the time, the dominating societal belief was that women were expected to have a career and continue to be the primary manager of the family and home. You've probably heard this expectation called the invisible load, emotional labor, or the mental load. I should probably do an entire episode just on this topic, but it's basically all of the little and big things that typically fall on the woman in a male-female relationship. Things like the cooking, the cleaning, being the primary caregiver for the children, and on and on and on. Because of this responsibility at home and the responsibilities associated with having a career... Women were being pulled in multiple directions more than ever before, and the concept of work-life balance was born from there. And honestly, this expectation that women have a career and be the primary manager of the home doesn't seem all that different from our experience now in 2021. The U.S. continues to be the only wealthy nation offering no national paid parental leave. COVID-19 has driven millions of women out of the workforce. And to quote an article from Fortune magazine, one of the main drivers of this disparity is the increased burden of unpaid care, shopping, cooking, cleaning, taking care of kids and parents in the household, which is disproportionately carried by women. Just like technology advanced between the initial climbing attempt at Mount Everest in 1921 and the eventual success in 1953, The way that work-life balance is interpreted has changed as decades have passed with different generations bringing different perspectives and experiences to the concept. So let's take a broad strokes look at how baby boomers, Gen X, and millennials look at work-life balance. For many baby boomers, now remember, this is many, not all. For many baby boomers, work-life balance just isn't that important. Right now, baby boomers are either retiring or they're holding senior high-level positions. They worked long hours, often at the same company for decades, in order to build success so that they could enjoy life during retirement. For them, putting in long hours and hard work was synonymous with success. And they're more likely to say that your job isn't meant to be enjoyed. It's meant for earning money and taking care of your family. Here's an actual piece of career advice that was once given to me by a baby boomer You're not supposed to like your job. You're supposed to put your head down, do the work, and enjoy your life on the evenings and weekends. Gen Xers, those born between 1965 and 1980, have a slightly different perspective. They saw their parents, the baby boomers, work their butts off and make huge sacrifices some never living long enough to enjoy the fruits of their labor. And as a result, Gen Xers prioritize family and experiences more than the generation that came before them. And then there are millennials who are more lifestyle focused than the generations before them. Millennials are more educated and therefore have more student loan debt and all that goes with that burden. They're getting married later and having kids later. So the household management responsibilities look different for this generation than it did for their parents or for their older cousins, the Gen Xers. But the biggest difference is that millennials tend to look for careers or professional opportunities that align with their values or beliefs. In other words, they wanna like their jobs and believe in what they're doing, because they don't see work and life as being separate. For millennials, life and work kind of blends together for them instead of being separate columns on a spreadsheet. Oh, and Gen Z is just beginning to enter the workforce, but it appears that they have an even deeper desire than millennials for their work to really matter. According to a study by Dynamic Signal, Gen Z wants a sense of community And when choosing an employer, they care more about work-life balance and personal well-being than income and brand reputation. So we've identified the origin of work-life balance and the differences across generations. Now let's break this down word by word. Work, life, and balance. You might have noticed that It's About Time is a podcast about work, life and balance, not a podcast about work-life balance. And there's a reason for that. Just like you, I've questioned whether work-life balance is real or whether it's something that's worth pursuing. Just like you, I'm always learning and continuing to shape and refine my thoughts on work-life balance. When I dreamed up the concept for this podcast that's about to hit 100 episodes, I knew that I wanted to create a space for us to explore and be inspired by different ways of doing work, of doing life, and finding your own version of balance. So let's break it down. Work, life, and balance. Starting with work. This one's the most straightforward. Work, when it comes to work-life balance, is typically defined as time spent working, whether that's during official working hours, if you have them, or time spent working outside of work hours, those overtime hours, whether they're paid or unpaid. Now, let's look at life. There seem to be two schools of thought here. On one hand, some people consider life in the work-life balance equation to mean time spent not working, their personal life, time doing family things, hobbies, just being. And based on what we know now about the origin of work-life balance back in the 80s as part of the women's liberation movement, I think this is what they intended. I think that the life in work-life balance meant time spent not working. It was meant to describe time spent managing the household. And then others treat the word life a little more holistically, as in life equals their whole life, work included. And since you can't balance a piece of something with the whole that it's a part of, those that use the holistic definition of life are more likely to say that work-life balance isn't real or that it's impossible. And I get that perspective. I mean, imagine a piece of pie. What's your favorite pie? Mine is lemon meringue. My grandmother, Norma Maxine albritton Dearman used to make the best lemon meringue pie. The meringues were so fluffy and sweet and the lemon filling was just the perfect amount of sweet and tart, and my mouth is seriously watering just thinking about it. Anyway, so imagine a piece of lemon meringue pie, just a piece, and then imagine a whole lemon meringue pie, one on each side of a balanced scale. You just can't balance a piece of pie and a whole pie. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> You can't balance a piece of something with the whole that it's a part of. Which brings us to the last word in work-life balance. Balance. Balance, as a noun, has two definitions. First, an even distribution of weight enabling someone or something to remain upright and steady. Okay, so that's physical balance, not quite what we need here. Here's the second definition. A condition in which different elements are equal or in the correct proportions. One more time. A condition in which elements are equal or in the correct proportions. It's those last four words for me. In the correct proportions. Work-life balance earns a lot of detractors when people see balance and think equal. How can work and life be equal when work is a part of life, or my work will never be equal to my life because my family will always come first? Absolutely! I hear you, big time. So what's the truth about work-life balance? Remember what I said at the beginning of this episode? Our beliefs about work-life balance shape our attitudes and our efforts toward how we manage our time and what we believe is possible. So let's look at our options. Let's say work-life balance is real. What does that mean and how could it shape our attitudes and efforts? Well, it could mean a lot of things, but here are a few that come to mind. You might believe that work-life balance is a thing. But if you're not perfectly balanced, which let's be honest, none of us are, then you're failing. And side note, y'all, everything in life doesn't have to be so pass-fail. Not being perfect at something doesn't make you a failure. It makes you human. You might feel like work-life balance is real and that other people have it, but it's unattainable for you because you haven't figured it out yet. You might believe that it's real and that you've unlocked the right combination for you and your family by having a clear vision, operating from your values, setting goals and having clear boundaries. You might believe work-life balance is real, but you don't see what all the fuss is about. It's not something you really care about. And you might believe that work-life balance is real and you know when you've got it, you know when you don't, and you know what to do to swing things back into equilibrium when you need to. So on the other side, let's say that work-life balance isn't real. What might that look like? Well, You might believe that work-life balance isn't a real thing, and that relieves your pressure to try and achieve it. It gives you permission to just be overwhelmed and to be okay with the overwhelm. You might believe that work-life balance isn't real, so why should I try to change anything that I'm doing? Work-life balance isn't real, so I'm just going to keep being a hot mess. You might believe that work-life balance is fake, so there's nothing wrong with being a workaholic because balance is impossible. You might believe that work-life balance is impossible because you can't balance a part with its whole, so just do what feels right. You might believe that work-life balance isn't real, so instead, you decide to choose your own adventure. You go in search of work-life integration, work-life flexibility, work-life harmony, or any other descriptor that feels right to you, but you just know that work-life balance isn't the right fit for you. Our beliefs about work-life balance shape our attitudes and our efforts toward how we manage our time and what we believe it's possible. If you believe it's real, that will affect how you show up. If you believe it's not real, that will also affect how you show up and the decisions you make. So here it is. Here's the truth about work-life balance. Is work-life balance a real thing? Yes. Yes. Work-life balance is a real thing, in that it's a real concept. It's an idea. But just because something is an idea doesn't make it a fact. But it doesn't make it fiction either. It's like democracy. Just because China doesn't have a democracy doesn't mean democracy isn't real. Not only that, every state government in the United States is democratic. But they all operate a little differently. Some states even call themselves commonwealths. But just because they're all a little different doesn't mean there's no such thing as democracy. It comes down to this. Are you ready? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if work-life balance is real or fake. Were you expecting that? It doesn't matter whether it's real or fake or fact or fiction or blue or purple or anything. Whether you believe it is or it isn't, what actually matters is that you have a clear vision of what you want your life to look like. Let's stop debating whether or not work-life balance is real and instead focus on designing a life we love. What does your ideal life look like? When you imagine standing at the top of a mountain and looking down at your life and all that you've done, all that you've experienced, what is it that you want to look back on? What do you want to remember? What do you want to be proud of? And what stories do you want to tell? So let's go back to Mount Everest real quick. In order for Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay to reach the peak of Mount Everest, They had to believe that it was possible. They had to believe that there was a way to the top. And then they had to blaze their own trail to get there. They had to take steps no one had ever taken. They had to do it their way. And then, once they did it, once they charted the path to the top, they were proof to everyone, that it could be done. But to me, even cooler than proving what was possible, since that day in May that they, the two of them, that they stood on top of the world, the path to the top has not been the same for everyone who's come behind them. There's more than one way to get up the mountain. There's more than one way to get up the mountain There's more than one way to skin a cat. (laughs) There's more than one way to solve for X. And there's more than one way to approach work-life balance. You get to decide whether or not you believe in work-life balance. And you get to decide how you show up as a result. But when you decide, know that it's your personal decision. If you decide that you believe work-life balance is a thing and it's a thing that can be attained, but your best friend doesn't agree, cool. Our differences are what make the world go round. If you've ever heard of Clifton Strengths or StrengthsFinder, it's a personality assessment that identifies your top strengths, your gifts, and ranks them from one to five or one to 34 if you go all out. One of my top five strengths, one of the strengths in my top five is called individualistic. So that means that I'm intrigued with the unique qualities of each person and that I have a gift for figuring out how different people can work together productively. I love figuring out what makes people tick and how they can harness their personality and their unique gifts to achieve their goals and design a life they love. And if you've never taken this assessment to learn your strengths, I highly recommend it. So I'll link it in the show notes so you can check it out. But that strength, being individualistic, is one of the reasons why I believe so wholeheartedly that work-life balance means something different to everyone, and that our idea of work-life balance is allowed to change and evolve over time as the world changes and as we change. So next time someone says, I really need to work on my work-life balance, you might say, cool, how can I support you? Instead of work-life balance isn't a thing. Or next time you hear someone say, I don't believe in work-life balance, you could say, awesome, so what do you aim for? Tell me more. There's no right or wrong here, just different opinions about a concept. You get to choose your own adventure here. What does work-life balance mean to you? Because you get to decide, and only you can decide for yourself. Most people will never stop to take the time and create the space to answer that question. But I know that you are not most people. Whether you believe in work-life balance or you don't, I challenge you to, in the next week, set aside time, just 15, maybe 30 minutes, put it on your calendar to think about your vision for the future. What do you want life to look like in five years, 10 years, and write it down? And instead of worrying about whether or not you're achieving work-life balance, think about whether you're setting yourself up today to achieve your vision for your tomorrow. So there you have it. Work-life balance, real or not real, it doesn't matter. Your vision is what matters. All of the details from today's episode can be found in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 91. And special thanks to Rachel, Chris, Sarah, Natasha, Shannon, Logan, Lauren, Lauren, and Lindsay for sharing their thoughts about work life balance with us. All right. That's it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you soon.